Hey everybody, welcome back to the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is Colby Patnode, and joining me as always is Ty Gonzalez. Ty, are you ready to sit down and talk some Dustin Ackley? Hell yeah, man. Let's go. The Ack Attack is back. That's right, baby. World Series 2019. I mean, <laughs> Ackley is such an incredible addition, man. It's 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 really going to change the face of the Mariners. <laughs> I mean, uh, according to Dave Softy Muller, it, it's uh, not that great of a PR move. Because you yeah. know, we we really care about that. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what? He's right. I guess the Mariners will win 50 games and get the number one overall pick because Dustin Ackley's clearly the starting left fielder now. I mean, that's just how that works. You sign a minor league deal and you get a major league, you get a major league time. Like, duh. Oh. So. Oh. No, we're, we're actually going to talk about things that really matter um, for the Seattle Mariners. Um, and while the Dustin Ackley signing is noteworthy um, because of his past, it certainly doesn't really or shouldn't move the needle at all um, based on how you feel about the Mariners heading into 2019. Uh, what may move the needle are a pair of signings, which I believe have not been made official yet um, as of this recording. Um, by the Mariners, uh, but they are uh, heavily being reported and confirmed by multiple sources. Um, that is that the Seattle Mariners have signed two free agents to one-year deals. Uh, the biggest name um, is probably Tim Beckham, former shortstop of the Tampa Bay Rays and the Baltimore Orioles. He signs a one-year deal, and the Mariners also added uh, Corey Guerin to uh, help fill out their bullpen, also on a one-year deal. Um, terms are not yet as again, terms have not been finalized or anything like that. Um, but they do believe it to be a one-year deal. Uh, so I guess we'll start there and, uh, let's go ahead and let's start with the big name or at least the bigger name. Uh, Ty, tell us about Tim Beckham and what do you think of the signing? Yeah. So Tim Beckham, uh, was one of the, um, one of the more prominent, uh, prospects for the Rays for a while and then, uh, came up. You know, did okay. Uh, ended up getting traded to the Orioles, and that's when he really uh, set it off there in the second half of 2017. Um, just uh, going back to his game log real quick uh, from that point, he you know he turned his career around really uh, at that point um, with the Orioles. Just started to uh, started to put it all together at the plate. Ended up being a three and a half win player. Uh, that year and most of it was due to how well he played towards the end of the season uh yeah in his time with the uh with the Orioles slash 306 348 523 with 10 home runs 26 RBI uh so you know he came back to the to the Orioles and um you know they they started him pretty much every day alongside Manny Machado and as you know the Orioles season uh, fell apart and Beckham was kind of at the center of that. Um Beckham ended up slashing 230, 287, 374 last year. Uh, had 12 home runs um which is just two over what he did in two months time last uh, in uh, 2017 but uh yeah he's uh yeah he he, he didn't he didn't uh, fare too well so he's coming off of a down year offensively uh, defensively, he can play everywhere uh, in the infield, second, third, shortstop. He's mainly going to be the shortstop for now, while J.P. Crawford, you know, while they unfortunately manipulate J.P. Crawford's service time and 
also, you know, get him the the reps that he does need uh, in AAA. Um, so yeah, but the you know they got they got a true utility infielder that isn't as bad as Andrew Romine. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's, he, uh, he could boom, you know, uh, you could attribute a lot of his struggles last year to playing with, uh, with a bad Orioles team and, uh, defensively, you know, he had a, uh, fan graphs, uh, isn't very generous on his, uh, defense last year, but in past years had, had a 7.6, uh, defensive war, uh, 3.6, uh, the year before. So, um, He's uh he's a pretty solid defender, uh has some nice speed, um doesn't steal a lot of bases, but uh can get around um decent base running uh rating. But yeah, um it's a solid move. Uh you know, he'll he'll start uh for the Mariners for a couple months probably, and then JP Crawford will take over and I, I assume Beckham will stick around though. Um as uh as their utility infielder and come off the bench and uh you know be able to give Kyle Seager a breather every now and then all that so um yeah he's you know at the very least he's better than Andrew Romine and that's all you can ask um not by much after you know last season but um I think he'll bounce back and uh, have a pretty decent year so so yeah so it's um it's a cool little move um you know, it's not huge, but hey, if he if he performs at the level that he did at the end of 2017, you might have something there. Yeah, um, I will say that uh, part of his struggles last year, um, at least defensively, probably attributed to a groin injury that he suffered. Um, obviously, you guys uh, go seriously injure your groin and tell me how well you're able to move around. Um, so that, I believe that even knocked him on the 60 day DL at one point. So it was a pretty serious, uh, groin issue there. Uh, like you mentioned, the defense is going to be solid. Um, it won't be spectacular. Uh, his best position is probably third base. Um, Mm -hmm. but like, like you said, he can play second, he can play short. Um, his primary role is going to be to play shortstop until they deem JP Crawford ready. Um, and at which point that kind of opens up an interesting question because I think most of us assume that the Mariners will try and keep Crawford down until, I don't know, mid-June, um, maybe even July, uh, partly to help him work on the things he needs to work on, but also, like you mentioned, to push back his uh, his service clock um, a little bit. And if you're not going to be planning on competing in 2019, why would you use up uh, you know, three months of Crawford's service time? So, uh, but I think, I think it does open for an interesting possibility because the thing about this is while this is a one-year deal, and by the way, it's a one-year deal worth $1.75 million, according to Bob Nightingale, um, Tim Beckham will not be a free agent after this season. He has four years of, uh, service time in baseball. He was non-tendered a contract by the Orioles this winter. So signing both the Mariners, he will get to the five-year threshold after the season. Uh, You need six years of MLB service time to qualify for free agency. So while this is a one-year deal, the Mariners will control Tim Beckham, um, or at least have ultimate control over if he stays or if he goes until after 2020. Um, 
So he'll he'll go after this. Let's say he stays on the team all year. After the season, he will go through the arbitration process. Um, just like, well, right now only Rowanis Elias is going through arbitration with the Mariners. Um, so, but he'll go through that process, and if the Mariners want to keep him, they can offer him, they can tender him a contract, and he will be on the team for 2020. Uh, the reason this is interesting is if he does revert back to that second half 2017 um, player or even just the 2017 player overall um, in general, it leaves open the possibility that maybe Beckham is the guy who stays and somebody like somebody like Kyle Seeger or D Gordon gets shipped off. And now all of a sudden Beckham is the third baseman or the second baseman um, in 2020 instead of one of those guys. So um, in all likelihood, it's going to be a one-year deal, and I'm guessing the Mariners uh, will end up trading him uh, in July. But for the time being, he's a guy who can play all three infield positions well. He's got power, um, decent base runner. Uh, you know, he he's a nice player with absolutely no risk to the Mariners. He's not going to block. Uh, J.P. Crawford for too long and if he does return to that 2017 pace where he was uh, I think a three and a half win player by fan graphs yeah that's that's really that's really good and you get that for two years at well below market value um, that would be great so the Mariners buy low Um, it's kind of been Jerry's M.O. this winter um, is to get the guy who's coming off a bad 2018 and hope he rebounds to 2017. I mean, we saw that with Jay Bruce, uh, Anthony Swarzak, um, Carlos Santana, and now Edwin Encarnacion. Um, you know, that's kind of what he's shooting for right now. Uh, and it, 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 it makes a lot of sense. So I, I think this is a good signing. Um, potential to be great. Uh, I don't think it's going to be, but... You know the potential is there that uh, Beckham's actually a really nice player, and he's part of the thing, part of this thing moving forward. So we'll see. But for now, the Mariners have their opening day shortstop. Or at least I'm assuming that. Are you assuming that as well? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's pretty much set in stone that Tim Beckham will be the uh, will be the shortstop going on. Right. All right. So uh, the Mariners get their shortstop and also their utility infielder. Um, but uh, I guess Jerry Depoto wasn't satisfied with uh, just the one move today because because apparently uh, he has signed Corey Guerin to a one year major league uh, MLB deal. So he will be in the he will be on the bullpen on opening day, assuming he's healthy. Um, so Ty, what do you know about Corey Guerin and what do you think of the move? Um, honestly, don't know a whole lot about him. I know that he. Uh, switched a bunch of teams last year. I kind of remember him going through, uh, like, um, like hearing about him around the waiver deadline and getting traded to the Athletics, and he joined that Super Bullpen that they created over there. Towards the end, he was uh, he was with Texas for most of the year. Did start, or actually, no, he was with the Giants for most of the year, and then went to Texas in July. Um, you know, he's he's. He's an okay reliever, really, when you look at it. He's a serviceable seventh-inning guy. Um, pitched 57 uh, innings last year. 
8.32 K per nine, uh, 3.30 um, walks per nine, uh, 431 um, FIP. Uh, more of a breaking ball type of guy. Um, does rely on a slider quite a lot. Um, his fastball tops out at about 90, 91. Uh, slider has a nice, uh, nice little break to it. Um, he uses that pitch about 36.7% of the time when his fastball is about 50. So those are pretty close, actually. Um, mm-hmm. But he pretty much relies on those two pitches alone. Does go to the changeup every now and then. Um, but yeah, uh, really what this what this says to me is that they're not done with the bullpen yet. Um, you know, Jerry DePoto publicly said that uh, he believes that they're closer for 2019. Not that it really matters who the closer is. But he said that the closer is uh, is probably not pitching for the Mariners yet. Uh, Corey Guerin uh, is probably not that guy. Um, has he saved one game last year? Saved three games. Obviously, that doesn't really matter. But just kind of the the um, his style and it doesn't really match up with a closer role. Uh, he's more of a setup guy. He's more uh, Nick Vincent than anything mm-hmm. um yeah so um it's a it's a solid signing uh you know considering that he was uh that uh two teams were able to trade him last year um i'd say there's a little bit i think uh the you know with a similar year the mariners could get something uh decent for him um you know just a lottery ticket or something uh middle of the season um so yeah, it's you know it's it's whatever. It's a uh, it's a signing that you want to see in a, in a year like this where, you know, they get a guy for practically free and or uh, and have uh, quite a bit of potential to to flip him for at least something. Um, so yeah, uh, not a whole lot else that you can really go on about, but uh, he's a decent enough pitcher where you can uh, you can probably flip him. Yeah, so a uh, <clears throat> quick scouting report on Garen. Uh, and Ty already mentioned a lot of this. Uh, sinker slider pitcher, 92 to 93 with the sinker. It's a pretty traditional sinker, uh, nothing too crazy. The slider is uh, is good, and um, it flashes plus sometimes. Uh, but for the most part, it's just a solid, you know, um, probably 60 grade uh, pitch on the 2080 scale. Uh, the sinker does allow him to get some ground balls, although last year he really struggled. Uh, the ground ball percentage went down and, uh, his home run, home run to fly ball rate went up. So this also fits in with Jerry DePoto's little, uh, you know, nice players off of a bad season, uh, type of move. And Garen certainly qualifies as that. Um, he has had north of 50% ground ball rates in his career, um, and traditionally he sits around in the high forties for that. So he does get ground balls. Uh, he also misses a decent amount of bats. Uh, he's at about 8.4 to 8.5 per nine innings. So not quite a strikeout per inning, but still, you know, he does have some missed bat potential, um, there as well. Uh, also when you look at a guy like Corey Guerin, he's really in his career been really, I don't want to say dominant, but he's been very good against right-handed hitters. Um, of course, Garen is a righty, so that makes sense. Uh, and Garen also does throw from a, a sidearm arm slot. So, uh, you know, he's not coming straight over the top. It creates a little bit of movement. It creates some deception. 
which might explain why right-handers are hitting 225, 309, 331 against him. Uh, so they're really not doing any damage against him at all throughout his career. Um, you know, against right-handed hitters, he strikes, he averages more than a strikeout per inning. Uh, against lefties, he's not, he's not too good, uh, but he is usable. Um, so you can stick him like, um, you can stick him in against, against the angels when they go trout Otani Upton or whatever it is. And he's good enough that you can, you can let him pitch to Otani so that he can get, he can go after trout and, uh, and like Upton, um, you know, when you, when you start looking at like the American league West, there's a lot of really good right-handed bats in this division. Um, so putting Garen in a position where he can succeed, he can put up some good numbers. And like you said, hopefully flip him at the deadline for something. Um, Garen did post a one nine nine ERA in 2017. Um, a lot of that is smoke and mirrors. His FIP was around three and a half. Um, so, but in this, in the middle of a season, a solid seventh inning guy who can dominate right-handed hitters gets ground balls. Um, you know, that has value. So I think, uh, I think this is a really nice move by DePoto. I don't think, like you said, I don't think this is it. Um, but, you know, as a seventh-inning guy, you kind of throw in the mix with Sean Armstrong and guys like that. Um, I think it makes sense. So I like both moves that DePoto made today. Uh, we still don't have salary figures yet on uh, Garen, um, but it is a one-year deal, so really no no risk. Um, if he comes to spring training and he bombs, you just you can wash your hands of it and eat the salary and move on. Like, there's nothing – there's no risk here. Uh like you said, you're probably going to give him like 1.5 million would be my guess, give or take. Um, and, you know, like you said, it, it's worth a risk. And uh, I, I don't think this means they're done. So uh, you have anything left to add on these two signings or are you ready to move on? Um, yeah, really, it's just, you know, there isn't a whole lot you can go over with a reliever, you know, mm-hmm. there, uh, there's only so much you can do here. And, um, yeah, it's an, you know, it's a nice piece. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see kind of how this bullpen comes together, uh, especially if there is another piece, uh, coming along, you know, like you said, they got Sean Armstrong, Anthony Swarzak, sorry, there, um, you know, and then also you got the, uh, the younger guys, Matt Festa, uh, Sam Tui Valala is going to be coming back at some point during the season, um, and Nick Rumbelow, yeah, Nick Rumbelow, of course, Art Warren, uh, now that he made his way through, uh, the rule five. Thank goodness. Um, yeah. Um, Dan Altavilla. Yeah. Possibly White Mills, Rowanis mm-hmm. Elias, uh, Zach. Oh, what's his name? <laughs> the lefty they signed a few weeks ago that nobody cared about. Oh, Zach uh, Roscup. Yeah, he he misses bats at a pretty good rate. So uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I honestly that that does bring me. I think if you pair Garen and Ross Cup together, it's a pretty solid seventh inning setup guy, um, yeah. which is what they tried to do last year with uh, Zach Duke and uh, Adam Warren. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I know people cringe at those names, but uh. Adam Adam Warren was actually like decent. Like he wasn't as good as he was with the Yankees, but he was okay. Zach Duke. Uh, that was an yeah. abomination. 
that <laughs> that was just a bad deal. That it wasn't a bad trade. It just didn't work out. Um, mm. But yeah, that uh, that got me excited about Rowanis Elias, and that should tell you a lot. So yeah. I I think uh, I think naturally the next place to move on is to talk about what what is left to do this off season. Um, you know, I I think if the Mariners were done right now, we would look at this and say the offseason was a success. Uh, they certainly rebuilt like they wanted to. Uh, they got rid of a lot of big pieces. Um, but I don't know if they are done. Ty, do you think the Mariners are done, or w- what's left for them to accomplish this offseason? Um, I still think that they should aim to get a veteran backup catcher. Um, it's specifically AJ Ellis. I'm not sure if he's gone anywhere yet or if he's retired. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, because they have Omar Narvaez who's young and hasn't been fantastic defensively and David Freitas, who isn't a very good defensive catcher. Um, and that's kind of it. Um, and both of them are going to be asked to handle like, uh, fluctuating uh you know um or a or rotation fluctuating with uh with youth uh throughout the season you know justice sheffield will come up at some point eric swanson could make it right out of uh right out of spring training you know you say kikuchi's there um justin dunn might come up at some point uh, I think they need uh, more of a veteran uh, catcher to kind of help with that and also um, assist with the, the defensive development of, of Omar Narvaez. I wrote about that. Um, if you want to read about it, uh, last week I, I posted an article about AJ Ellis. Um, you can go look at that, sotomojo.com. Um, but yeah, um, that that's kind of the one if you want to call it glaring need that I see. I also do think, uh, like we talked about, that um, they'll get another reliever at some point, one that's uh, more of a closer. Actually, a name that I thought about that that could work is A.J. Ramos, uh, who's coming off of a year that I I believe he completely missed due to injury. Um, Could be a nice little uh, bounce-back candidate. Uh, Also, someone like Hunter Strickland uh, Mm -hmm. could work. Um, I also wrote an article that uh, detailed uh, five relievers that could kind of fit uh, what the Mariners are looking for. Uh, one of them, which I mentioned, Luis uh, Avilon, he just signed a minor league deal with the with the Mets, so that's out of the question. But yeah, um, and then obviously uh, Edwin Encarnacion is he going to make it to spring training? I'm starting to lean more that he will, uh, though things can quickly change. Trades can be made at the snap of a finger. Um, so considering that um, Depoto and Hollander, they both said that, uh, you know, or they've both been acting like, you know, they weren't really sure if Encarnacion was going to make it to the team. I, I figure that he would get traded. But I also figured that that would have already happened by now, so we'll see. Um, but, you know, that also really depends on how the rest of free agency shakes out for other teams and who needs what 
by the time uh, everyone reports. Um, and also even through, you know, spring training, because even if you look at, you know, last year, you know, Eric Hosmer signed in the middle of spring training, um, Alex Cobb, you know, uh, uh, Lance Lynn, et cetera. So, you know, uh, and it looks like free agency is kind of heading for that as well. Um, maybe not as extreme, but still kind of like, we'll, we'll see some relatively big names still available. So We'll see how that all shakes out and see how that kind of affects the uh, the trade market for Encarnacion um, moving forward. But yeah, uh, I also think that they could still trade Mike Leak. Um, I, I, I feel that that's probably still uh, in their in their cards. Um, I don't really see a point in keeping Leak at this point. Um, I don't think his trade value will be boosted at all by keeping him. Um, so now is probably the time to sell, but obviously a bunch of teams aren't really, uh, you know, jumping uh, to get Mike Leak. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but we'll see. Um, I think right now the I, I to answer your question simply is just I don't I don't think that they're done. Uh, I still think there are some things um, that they can do and probably will do um, to address smaller needs and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of like additions, I think Yusei Kikuchi is the big one, um, which I mean is is huge. It really is. We talked about that on the last podcast at length. How it really may accelerate your timeline. Um, but I think that's Depoto's big free agent move. He's taking care of the shortstop, like you said, he wanted to. Um, so I, I think I think you're correct when you say backup catcher. Um, is a good place, uh, particularly someone with some experience uh, with Justice Sheffield and you know Eric Swanson and Dunn and Marco. You really want somebody who can work with the pitchers. Um, and uh, to his credit, Omar Narvaez is apparently uh, great to work with. Um, he may not be a great pitch framer, um, but he really, I guess – he, he has earned high marks from uh, White Sox teammates about being a guy that they really like throwing to, uh, which is is great for the 26-year-old. But I still feel like somebody, like you mentioned, A.J. Ellis, uh, Rene Rivera, uh, you know, kind of an older guy who can kind of mentor the young pitching staff, uh, get them through a lineup a couple times, uh, get them to make some adjustments uh, when they're struggling, um, you know, and really just – kind of the older man on the roster, uh, very David Ross type. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I tend to think that David Ross's contributions to the Cubs are over overrated. Uh, he's a backup catcher after all. But there, there still is some value, uh, particularly to a young team. And while the Mariners aren't full of 22-year-olds, uh, they do have a lot of 27, 28-year-olds. Um and with Nelson Cruz leaving, you know, there's that void to fill. Uh, so I think I think an A.J. Ellis makes a lot of sense. He's at least going to, you know, take a walk at the plate. Um, and he's, he, you know, he's been around long enough. He can work with these young pitchers, uh, you know, and work with the pitching staff as a whole really well. Uh, I like Rene Rivera, too. Um, very similar Does, to Ellis. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but um, 
you know, one thing that, you know, you and I talked about was kind of how, how similar Kikuchi looks to Kershaw, right? And, uh, you know, AJ Ellis's favorite pitcher to work with was Kershaw. And they had a very good relationship. And, and Kikuchi has kind of that similar delivery, similar, you know, similar tools. That could be kind of interesting there. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess the question is, does AJ Ellis want to come play in Seattle where they've all but admitted that they're not really going for it in 2019? Or does he want to sign on with the Dodgers, maybe uh, go back there and try and win a ring or wherever? Um, Mm -hmm. Sadly, I'm not up to date on the catcher market. Uh, Not since Mike Zanino got traded. I kind of, you know, okay, done with that. So um but yeah i i think a guy like if they want to go with a little bit more upside at the position a guy like caleb joseph is kind of interesting to me um mm-hmm. you know he was non-tender he's look anybody you signed to be the backup catcher is probably not going to be good um right <laughs> like so if you're thinking oh you know i'll just go get another omar narvaez and have two of them good luck um Honestly, your best shot at that is is AJ Ellis. So um, I think Ellis is probably the best fit. I don't know if he sees it that way. Um, but Caleb Joseph is kind of the upside play. And I think Rene Rivera is probably the blend of, you know, veteran who works with a lot of pitchers, understands how to call the game and all that stuff, and still has something left in the bat. I think I think Rene Rivera is a good way to go. Um, I, I guess maybe Honestly, I don't know. Is Devin Devin Mezzarocco still around? Yeah, or did he, he is. sign? No, he's still <laughs> around. Martin Maldonado is still around. Really? I thought uh, Mal- Maldonado signed. Hmm. Nope. Uh, Matt Weeders, uh, yep. Stephen Stephen Vogt, uh, <laughs> Nick Hunley, yep. uh, Drew Butera, uh, Jesus Sucre. Yeah, I, I'd be uh, fine with that. Uh, yeah. So they're they're they're. Uh, plenty of options for them. Uh, also, Adam Moore <laughs> is around. He's still Jeez. playing. He's still playing. <clears throat> if I'm going former Mariner, I will take Jesus Sucre, uh, <laughs> just so we can call him Sugar Jesus. Anyways, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think backup catcher is a really good spot um, where they need to add. Um, you know, honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing them add. Maybe not to the major league roster, but certainly in the system, another player who can play center field a little bit. Um, you don't necessarily need that guy on the roster on opening day. Uh, Malik Smith is going to be the center fielder. If he gets hurt in the middle of the game or he needs a day off, you can slide Mitch Haniger out there um, and have Domingo Santana and Jay Bruce in your outfield next to him, which is, I mean, okay for a game. Uh, D Gordon in an emergency can go out there and play center field now. Um, but I would still like to see them add somebody, um, who can come up. I don't want to rush Braden Bishop, uh, who you and I both really like. Yeah. Uh, he'll probably start the year in triple a and he is on the 40 man roster. So that's an easy move for them to make, but I would really like to see him get some time in triple a to kind of see if he can hit uh, a guy who was recently released, uh, today DFA, uh, Charlie Tilson. I kind of like him in center field. Um, you know, good bat to ball skills, really fast, good defender, uh, below average arm, not going to hit for any power, but, you know, he's 27, 28. 
Um, he's got some major league seasoning. He's not going to cost much. Uh, that's a guy I would like to see them uh, bring on if they could. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Cameron Mabin, like, eh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, whatever. But I, I still, like, I still, go ahead. If you want, if you want to go the the uh, veteran route, I'd be down for Austin Jackson, maybe. Um, maybe uh, I don't know, Emilio Bonifacio. I don't know. Is Bonifacio still playing? Apparently. Oh Cordless. my goodness. Yeah. Uh, let's see how he did last year. Apparently, he played for the Brewers. So I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna look that up. <laughs> for what, like ten games? Jeez. Bonifacio, I remember. Like he was really good one year, and the only reason I remember that is because everybody wanted him in fantasy baseball, and that's <laughs> because he could play all like seven positions. So you're like, oh yeah, this is awesome. Uh, I I can't imagine he's still playing, man. Do, uh, do you want to hear his last three years and with WRC plus? Sure. So so he didn't play for the Brewers. Like he played in the Brewers AAA team. Okay. Last year for five games, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so never mind that on on his on on him being a candidate for the Mariners. Anyway, uh, 2015 with the White Sox WRC plus of four. <laughs> Okay. 2016 with the Braves, 32. 2017 2017 with the Braves, negative 17. <laughs> so he's literally looking up at Andrew Romine. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh never mind. I thought yeah. uh I thought that was going a <laughs> little bit better than that. Uh Jesus. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Wow. So uh, he may not have retired yet, but baseball has made that decision for him. So, uh, yeah, he's not going to be an option. But I still, you know, center field, I think, is still a good spot to add somebody. Uh, and like I said, it doesn't have to be a veteran like the catcher position kind of does. Uh, but just somebody who can play. Uh, if they had a little bit of major league experience, that would be nice. Um, that's why I'm kind of interested in Tilson. Um, I, I think he makes some sense there as well. So, uh you know, backup catcher, kind of another center fielder in the organization, uh, and the bullpen um, is the other place where you can add. Um, I like your idea of AJ Ramos. Um, unfortunately, Blake Parker signed with the Twins. Um, that was kind of my guy. I really like Blake Parker. Uh, but you know, somebody like Brad Boxberger could make sense. He has closing experience. Probably looking at a one-year deal. And is probably a guy who's going to hold value until July when you can flip him. Um, at which point you hope guys like Sam Tui Valala are back and guys like Wyatt Mills and Art Warren um, are ready are ready to you know help at the big league level. Um, so Boxberger's a guy that I kind of like. Um, you know, so that that makes some sense. Also, Greg Holland uh, is a free agent, I believe. Uh, yeah. yeah, I. It, like he's he wasn't good last year, but you have a closer's job to offer him, which a lot of other teams probably don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're willing to give him a closer's job and nobody else is, it does make some sense because there are still teams out there that will pay for saves and still believe in the experience closer nonsense. Um, so you know if you can get him in here, probably an incentive laden deal. Uh, you know, give him three, four million base, and then you give them, I don't know, a hundred thousand or whatever for every save. 
uh, and then you, like a million dollars if he's traded or whatever, you could probably cobble together a pretty team-friendly deal um, that teams would still find attractive at the deadline uh, and get a experienced closer in to kind of anchor your bullpen. So I, I think Holland is kind of an interesting name as well. So those are like the three additions I want to see. Um, in terms of subtractions, like you mentioned, I still do want them to want a strong word. Edwin Encarnacion probably shouldn't start the year on, with the Mariners. Um, but he's also not a guy that you just give up, you know, for below market value. So, um, and hey, you know what? If we get to see the parrot run the bases once in a Mariners uniform, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be upset. So, yeah, but I'd be okay still, with it. Yeah. He's still a guy that I would like to see go just uh, from the simple fact is I still think he has value. Um, and also I'm kind of on the, you know, give Vogelbach a legit shot train this year. Um, and it's with, yeah, with Vogelbach and Healy and Encarnacion and Bruce, you know, that's like four guys for really two spots. Mm. Uh, we know what Encarnacion is. He's not a long-term fit here. We know what Jay Bruce is. You have to play him just to get, uh, his trade value up. And we've seen Ryan Healy, and I mean, eh, <laughs> like, yeah, Healy's just replacement level, whatever. So why not get Vogelbach a shot? So I would like to see them move him. Um, and Mike Leak is interest. I feel like Mike Leak is kind of a prime candidate to get traded in spring training. You know, after after you know somebody gets hurt or whatever, and the free agent market is really thinned out with starting pitching. Uh, I think Leak makes a lot of sense, but right now there's still guys that, you know, are just going to be cheaper than Leak and might be just as good. So it's really hard to trade him. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, going back to the additions real fast, if the Mariners have an opportunity to add another starting pitcher, I'd be all over that. Um, and even though it kind of looks like the five are set right now, and the five doesn't include Justice Sheffield and may not include Eric Swanson, so you might have some depth there. Getting mm-hmm. a guy like a guy that I've liked for a while now, Urban Santana, um, on a one-year deal. That's that's a guy you might be able to get for five, six million bucks. He, you know, he pitches like Urban Santana, and now you get a a B-minus prospect for him in July. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still moves for the Mariners to make. Um, I wouldn't expect anything major. I think probably the biggest move they could make right now is trade Edwin Encarnacion. But aside from that. Uh, I think you're going to see them continue to add guys on minor league deals. Um, again, I still, I do think you'll see a backup catcher. I still think you're going to see a closer, somebody with closer experience, uh, come to Seattle. And I think it's more than likely going to come via free agency. Um, but you know, if you're just playing the odds with Jerry DePoto, he's probably got another trade or two, uh, lined up or cooked up that he's working on. So, who knows? So, yeah, I, I think we're in agreement here. Addition-wise, it's backup catcher, uh, bullpen are kind of the two main priorities. And then I would like to see them add another starter and uh, somebody who can play center field if needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in terms of subtractions, really, it's kind of looking like Encarnacion and Leak. And then I, I, where where are you standing right now on Mitch Haniger? Because that's a situation that we've talked a lot about this off season. And 
I, I feel like our position has changed like every time we talk on Mitch Hanniger. So where are you at right now on Hanniger? Uh he might be a fallback plan for uh, for whichever team loses out on um Harper. Um so unless I I I guess that's kind of what I'm holding out for. I think I think he's staying though. I don't I don't know if any team is uh you know, after we've after what we've heard from Churchill and everything, I, I just I'm not sure if uh, if a team is going to offer the right package for him. And that's fine. I mean, you know, Hanager finished tenth in MVP voting. You know, to have that kind of player on your team, even if he's you know, uh, what is he now? Twenty eight, twenty seven. Yeah, yeah. twenty eight. Uh, yeah, so yeah, you know, even then, uh, he's still a really good player, and that's and that's a good player to carry over. Um, you know, and, and there's still a possibility that he gets traded at the deadline or um, next year. You know, uh, next off season, we could be talking about the same thing. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I really, uh, I really look at it and just think that unless say the Dodgers lose out on Harper and now they're willing to part with Verdugo and, you know, maybe Lux or someone like that. Um, unless that happens, I, I just can't imagine Hanager going anywhere. Um, so, yeah, so I, <clears throat> I think he stays for now. Uh, I just, I have a hard time imagining that they get that kind of package in return for him, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, the Mariners are not going to move off their asking price for Mitch Haniger, um, which is apparently uh, two uh, top tier prospects, um, particularly close to the major leagues is kind of a, a sticking point in negotiations. Um, if the Mariners trade Mitch Haniger, it's not going to be for somebody who, uh, won't be ready until 2021 uh, or 2022. They're looking for somebody who could help in 2019, uh, but definitely should be up and helping by 2020. Um, and that's kind of been where they've been all along with their whole blow me away thing. Um, so right now I would say it's still 50, 50. I think after the Harper signing, uh, that the 10 days or so after the Harper signing, we'll really see like a lot of leaks about, Hey, this team's asking the Mariners about so-and-so and and this team is because the teams that would be interested in Mitch Haniger are also kind of the teams that would be interested in Bryce Harper, right? The Dodgers, the White Sox, not so much the Braves, but, uh, the Phillies, right. The Phillies, uh, you know, it's funny. Somebody said that the giants would be interested. The giants can't afford Mitch Haniger. Um, unless they want to get rid of Joey Bart. Yeah. I'm welcome to. (laughs) Yeah. But they're not going to, um, yeah, yeah. It would take like Bart and like Heliot Ramos would pretty much be the, the two guys that would need to go there. And I don't know that either one are particularly close to the big league. So I don't know if they can afford him, honestly. Um, but yeah, there are some reports that the, uh, the Braves are talking to AJ Pollock. Um, which would be interesting and would seemingly take them out of the Hanager race. But also, you know, Ramos can go to center field and you can 
trade Inciarte. So even if they sign Ramos, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out the or uh, Pollock. Sorry, uh, I wouldn't rule out the uh, the Braves as a possibility still. Um, but the Mariners are not going to trade Mitch Haniger for ninety cents on the dollar. Uh, they're not. They they've said this is our price. If you want to match it, great. We'll listen. Um, if you don't, then we're just not interested. We're not going to let you take us down a road that we don't want to go. So, um, you know, for that reason, I, I think it's more likely than not that Hanniger stays. Um, so I'd probably say it's 60, 40 that he stays. Uh, but we'll see. I, I think after the Harper signing, we'll have a really good idea of where we are with Mitch Hanniger. Yeah. Yeah. I, just to uh, to give my odds, I I go seventy thirty still uh, seventy that he stays. Um, I just like I said, I can't I can't imagine that they get that kind of deal unless I I really only feel like if if there's a team that misses out on Harper and gets desperate enough to trade for Hanniger and match that price or even you know exceed it if you know the the you know, the Mariners feel like they, uh, they're in a position to get greedy. Um, I feel like that would be the Dodgers. Um, yeah. I, I just, I can't imagine the White Sox or the Phillies really getting desperate at that point. The Dodgers have been to two straight World Series and have lost. Mm-hmm. And they're really trying everything that they can do to, you know, change that. Um and I, I, so I can, I, I can picture them, them doing that, uh, you know, considering what they, you know, that, that trade that they just made with the Reds and all that, but I don't know. I think it's, uh, I think it's very likely that we, that Mitch Hanniger stays and, uh, he's the starting right fielder come, uh, come March. Right. Uh, the thing with Hanniger and the Dodgers is there's not like a great, uh, I, there's not a great match, um, right? Because the Dodger, the Mariners have said that they want you know twenty twenty help at the latest, um, and Divish said earlier that the Mariners are looking for at least one of those prospects to be a starting pitcher. Um, so you know when you kind of piece together all the various reports, we kind of know what the package would have to look like. Um, so like if the Dodgers asked about. Uh, Hanniger, I'm sure that DePoto would say, well, let's talk Walker Bueller, at which point the Dodgers hang up the phone. Uh, well, it could be, it could be Dustin May. Yeah. Dustin May is a guy that I like, um, three pitch, really good three pitches. Um, he's, I think he finished the year in double a, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, yeah. He finished in double A. Uh, he's on track to, to make his debut in 2020. Right. So you're, you're probably looking at the Mariners asking for Verdugo may, and then maybe a guy like Jock Peterson, um, who has two years of club control left. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dodgers certainly don't love the guy. Um, and you know, it would give, at that point, though, if you're getting Peterson and Verdugo, then the Dodgers have an outfield need. So, but in, anyways, um, yeah, right now the Dodgers outfield starting outfield projected is uh, Jock Peterson, Cody Bellinger in center, 
and Alex Verdugo in right. So they could certainly upgrade with Mitch Haniger there. Mm-hmm. Um, how big of an upgrade, though? I don't know. So it, it's just really tough to find a good match for um, for Haniger. It really does or seems like the Braves are the best fit. But mm-hmm. if they're not going to give the Mariners what they want, then you don't trade Mitch Haniger. Yeah. So uh, it's pretty yeah. – so I, w- I would have liked to see the Mariners trade Mitch Haniger this offseason, but if the offer's not there, it's not there, and you don't take 70 cents on the dollar because you think you have to trade a guy. You just you don't do that. You, you get full value or you let it ride, especially for Haniger who's got four years of club control left. Like if you can only get 70 cents for you know Edwin Encarnacion, that might be worth it. Um you know, to get some of that salary off, to get a guy you like, because Encarnacion's 36 and he's leaving after this year. So, I mean, yeah, that might be worth it. Uh, but not, not for Haniger, not for a guy like, not for a guy like Marco Gonzalez, not for Malik Smith, not for Kikuchi. Those guys you have to get the full value for. Otherwise you're just trading to trade. And that, that's, that's stupid. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, just just looking at it, you know, um, I think Haniger stays, and uh, so to kind of just come full circle here, uh, probably biggest move, as you said, Edwin Car- Edwin and is probably the biggest move that they can make at this point, right. uh, trading him away. Um, you know that probably also once again brings a contract aboard um so uh there's a lot of possibilities there um we won't dive into that but uh but yeah that's probably probably the biggest thing that they can do um so yeah so before we go uh would you like to talk dustin ackley at all he's a minor league signing people get over it yeah he's He's probably not going to play for the Mariners this year. But if you really want to see him, Tacoma's only like a 15-minute drive from Seattle. So, you know, depending on traffic. So yeah. probably an hour and a half. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so whatever, man. Like, if you seriously, if you're upset about that, like really upset, you need help because mm. that that's you're being stupid. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just... It's... Yeah. Um, just looking at Ackley real quick, you know, he... He was in the Angels system for the last two years. Um, you know, he's he he was decent for them in Triple A. He's a decent Triple A player. That's all that it is. It's just depth. It's just to fill out their their roster at Tacoma. That's all it is. It really is just that. And um, I would, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes up at some point if they need some sort of depth. If if some you know if, let's say domingo santana gets hurt and you know mitch Haniger gets hurt as well you know maybe but uh yeah it's it's not it, that this uh, i'd be very 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 surprised to see dustin ackley uh play for the mariners sure. at some point this year it's it's just not this is nothing to be concerned over it's funny, but it's yeah. for the people like for the people like Dave Softy Mahler that are literally losing it over this and, and Ichiro playing three games and or two games in Japan. Who cares? Stop. You it's th- this is the problem 
with the Mariners fan base, but also Seattle, the Seattle sports fans in it all. You guys overreact way too much over like the dumbest stuff ever. Like the like, even look at the the Seahawks game this past week. Everyone yelling for Pete Carroll to get fired and stuff. Shut up. No. Those like, people are the stupidest people on earth. Like yeah. So yeah. If you know that that's the that's the problem here, and and see that's that's the problem with. Uh, a lot of Mariners fans. A lot of Mariners fans don't really care about the team, and therefore don't really know a whole lot of baseball because they don't, you know, they don't have the interest uh, to put their best foot forward. And that's why they say stuff like this. And honestly, Dave uh, Softy Muller should keep his mouth shut. He's he's looking to be angry at the Mariners for, and he doesn't have anything. So now, oh, I'll get mad about Dustin Ackley. You're an idiot. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're just if you're being, yeah. if you're really upset about Ackley, you're you're a complete moron. You have no idea how baseball works or operates, and I I, I don't want to hear from you, honestly. Like, I'm sorry that you have anger issues. You should probably work on those. But signing Dustin Ackley is not worth getting upset about at all, especially to a minor league deal. They brought in Dustin Ackley and said, "This is our DH for 2019." Like, fine, get upset. But even then, it's like whatever <laughs> I mean, yeah like they're not they're not planning on contending this year they're not if this was last year and this yeah. is the thing where was softy when they signed ichiro last year when they actually said hey we're trying to make the playoffs and then they signed ichiro okay where where was the outrage last year so softy shut up anyone that follows softy and 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 believes in what he says and and follows that same kind of narrative shut up it's it's you, you have no idea what what the hell you're talking about uh it's you know this year it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter the the mariners could put colby and i on the outfield for for 162 games and the results would probably still be the same so <laughs> You know, uh, well, you know, well, a little bit of hyperbole there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no. the last thing that matters for the Mariners in 2019 is their win total. Yeah. Uh, and that's not to say 2019 doesn't matter. It does. You need to see growth from guys. You want to see Malik Smith and Mitch Haniger show that they are building blocks going forward. You want to see Marco Gonzalez stay consistent all season long. You want to see Yusei Kikuchi look like the guy you think he's going to be. You want to see Narvaez take the next step. You want to see Gordon and Seager rebound. Uh, but at the end of the day, if a lot of those things happen and the Mariners win 75 games or whatever, mm. that's a good season. So, um, you know, 2019, it's, it's tough to think about it this way, but 2019 is a lot more about the individuals and the team itself. Um, and that that's fine. That's what it, that's the way it's supposed to be in a rebuild. So, uh, for a wrap up, I do want to point out one thing since you brought up the Seahawks real fast. Um, you know, I, I've heard on the radio the last couple days about how the Seahawks uh, rebuild this year, how it was supposed to be a rebuilding year, but they made the playoffs and all that stuff. Um, I've heard people say, oh, that gives them hope that the Mariners could do the same and that, you know, maybe Jerry DePoto should be paying attention. You realize how stupid you sound when you say that? Like, <laughs> Let's get one thing straight here. Pete Carroll and the Seahawks and their rebuild has one thing that the Mariners rebuild does not have. 
Russell Wilson. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you know what? The baseball equivalent of Michael or of uh, of Russell Wilson is probably Mike Trout. So yeah, if the Mariners had Mike Trout, they should be doing everything they could to try and put a winner around him because he might leave in two years and you're going to get nothing out of that. They don't have that guy. Mitch Haniger is a very nice player. Mitch Haniger is Tyler Lockett. You can win without Tyler Lockett. You could lose with Tyler Lockett. I mean, that's who Mitch Haniger is, guys. Sorry, Malik Smith is, you know, I they don't have, yeah, they, they just, they don't have, the, yeah, but you get the point saying that, yeah. oh, the Seahawks and the Mariners, you know, and by the way, the Mariners are probably going to surprise people and not because they're going to be like a great team or anything, but they're not a bad team. Yeah. Um, so in that way, they'll surprise, but to sit here and say, oh, well, I mean, if the Seahawks could do it, why can't the Mariners do it? You're an idiot. <laughs> show me who the Russell Wilson is. Show me who the Dwayne Brown is. Show me who Pete Carroll is. And then we'll talk. But you can't because they don't exist. Mainly well, actually, because there, there are some similarities between Pete Carroll and Scott Service. Now, hear me out. Okay. You know how Scott Service, you know, likes his roles in the bullpen? It's like how Pete Carroll and his offensive, you know, uh, philosophy. Right? Right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. No. So, uh, yeah. To put Pete Carroll and Scott Service in the same sentence, if the sentence is not, here's all the professional coaches in Seattle, uh, is an insult to Pete Carroll. So, um, shut up with your football comparisons. Like, I understand we've made the comparison that, hey, you know what? Seattle, uh, the Seahawks did this. So, it does show that it's possible. Like, if you want to make that comparison, Fine, whatever. But if you want to use the Seahawks to bash the Mariners in any way, shut up. You you sound so <laughs> stupid when you do that. So stop talking. Do us all a favor. Yeah. Football, baseball, two completely different sports. Franchise, you can you can turn around a football team in a year. You draft yeah. the right quarterback, you can be good. Look at the Browns, right? Yeah. It doesn't work that way in baseball, folks. So, yeah. yeah. Now, speaking of football and baseball, uh, did want to talk about what happened in the division uh, that Kyler Murray is likely to declare for the NFL draft. I'm not sure if he uh, if he's actually officially done that yet, but um, the A's uh, first round pick uh, this past year uh, likely not coming to the A's, and the A's are probably going to lose out on that pick now. Uh, which to that I say, oh, so sad. You know, uh, but uh, but yeah, you know, it's that's a that's kind of a big thing because that that Calamari was about to be one of their uh, one of their top prospects, and now they're not even going to get a uh, compensatory pick for that. So, yep, um, you know, it's a it's a risk the A's took. Um, they knew this was a possibility. Uh, granted, I don't think a lot of people thought that Kyler Murray would, you know, be a first round pick consideration, um, when he first went to Oklahoma at quarterback, at least. Um, but they took a calculated risk. Uh, it didn't work out for them. Uh, they've wasted the first round pick that they had last year. Um, but the A's can survive this. They have a pretty deep farm system. Um, so it's not like a death blow to them at all. Yeah. But it is, 
Yeah, I, I did take some joy in uh, in the A's losing their first round pick uh, for no oh, reason. So boo hoo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, when you draw when you draft Danny Holson and Dustin Ackley like back to back, that you can cry. So yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, in all seriousness, um, you know, Kyler Murray is one of the best athletes on the planet. Uh, and he has a legitimate shot, I think, to be a first-round pick in the MLB and NFL draft in the same calendar year. That is, I mean, that is incredible. So, uh, you know, yeah. and honestly, I'm excited to see what Kyler Murray can do in football. I, I, yeah. I said on Twitter the other night that I would take him with the number one overall pick. I mean that. Uh, you know, I, I, I think his size is being uh, is going to be the thing that's held against him. And I mean, I, I I'm kind of done with the whole size argument at quarterback. Yeah, I just, we're 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 pretty familiar with that, right? <laughs> yeah, I just just in general, man. Like, oh, he's short; he can't be good. Shut yeah. up. How uh, do you... I mean, I mean, look at look. All right, look, look at the uh, rookie leaders and touchdown passes for for their rookie season. Baker Mayfield, who's mm-hmm. probably five eleven, really. When you think about it, he's probably not six foot. And then Russell Wilson, who's like five ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the top two guys in touchdown passes for their rookie years. And yep. Russell Wilson has gone on to be a Super Bowl champion and is a top a three quarterback star. in the league. Yeah, and is a top three quarterback in the league. And Baker Mayfield's probably got a pretty good career ahead of him. You know, and Kyler Murray, I, I, I think Kyler Murray has all the tools to. I think Kyler Murray could be a short Patrick Mahomes, really. Yep. And uh, also that Drew Brees guys did did pretty well for himself. Oh, and Michael Vick. Oh, and yeah. Fran Tarkenton. So, yeah, spare me with your short. It's like the, it's like the MLB scouts who still think they're like, oh, he's a left-handed pitcher, but he's only five eleven. Like, how's that going to work? You're an idiot. So. Oh, you mean like with Justice Sheffield? Or you say Kikuchi? Oh yeah, yeah. Kikuchi's six foot. So I mean. I, I just I find that when I hear things like that, I just laugh. Oh, he's too short to do this. You know, oh, he doesn't have the wingspan or whatever to do this. Like, shut up. Because here's the thing. And this is what Russell Wilson always says. Uh, you know, it's it's not like he just suddenly got short. He's been that way his whole life right. and has always played that way and knows how to play that way and has played that way at a high level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whether you're a pitcher that's like, five foot nine, you know, five foot 11. If you're dominant, then you're dominant. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's not like you're suddenly going to step onto an MLB field and you're four foot two and can only throw 60 miles per hour. You know? uh, Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Uh, Because if if there's one thing I know about baseball, it's that height has really held back the careers of Mookie Betts and Jose Altuve yeah, and Dustin exactly. Pedroia. Those poor SOBs, man. If only they were six foot tall, they might have been something. So anyways, yeah. So, And what's funny about that is I feel like baseball um, – I feel like baseball used to lead the way in that. But now I kind of feel like the NFL has overtaken them for like really stupid like sports con- – like <sighs> – I, I know scouting's hard. I, I get that. I understand that. I accept it. I believe it. But it's not as hard as some people make it. I mean, 
good yeah. God. The number of, uh, he's got, you know, he's got small hands or he's only yeah. six foot or, you know, he's too big, whatever it is. And then they just continue to produce and people are just like, oh, well, you know, nobody could see that. Coming. You lying SOB. Yeah. Everybody in the world I, saw it coming. Yeah. I have like just some final thoughts on, sure. on that real quick. Uh, you know, the one thing with with like Russell Wilson, obviously height does matter in terms of, you know, being able to see off, you know, over an offensive line and, you know, obviously having to, you know, throw through windows instead of just throwing over, you know, your offensive line. Obviously, that changes the makeup of, a, of an offensive scheme and everything. Sure, I get that. But if if someone is as talented as Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield or obviously Drew Brees, it doesn't matter. And then, you know, really height, the only sport where height truly matters is the NBA. And even then you see guys come in and they're, you know, you got like your Nate Robinsons of the world yes. and your Muggsy Bogues, you know, you got those guys come in and they're all awesome. Boykin. You know, yeah. Earl Boykin. <laughs> yeah. Spud Webb. Uh, yeah. You, you got all these guys, you know, and, and they come in and they are. You know, they're not superstars, but they are good players. And Or even you look at Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas yep. was one of the best players in the NBA just two years ago. You know, and obviously, you know, injuries have derailed that and, you know, some other things. But, you know, you, that's really the only sport where height matters. Height does not matter in baseball. Honestly, I figure that you probably have an advantage, especially as a hitter being smaller. You know, mm-hmm. look at Jose Altuve. That guy's strike zone is like the size of a peanut. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and he can get low and he can cover, you know, everything. Um, uh, you know, and, and, you know, in the NFL, yeah, size probably matters at like offensive line. But, <laughs> but even if you look at like a defensive lineman, look at Puna Ford. Puna Ford is, you know, five foot eleven as a defensive tackle, and he was the highest-rated defensive tackle in the last five weeks by Pro, pro Football Focus. You know, Aaron Donald's not a huge guy either. He wasn't coming yeah. out of college. John Randall was five foot eleven, Hall of Famer. So yeah, I, I guess like the lesson in all of this is is that talent is talent, regardless of the package it comes in. So, uh, you know. If Justice if Justice Sheffield doesn't pitch well in the big leagues, it's not going to be because he's five foot eleven. That's not going to be the reason. So, yep. uh, and it's also just like it's not going to be the reason Kyler Murray fails in the NFL. It's it just doesn't work that way. And the fact that there are people who work in the industries and are scouts and run teams who do think it works that way, I mean, God help them and their franchises. That's how you end up drafting a punter over Russell Wilson. So best of luck to you guys. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that probably is going to wrap up our, our podcast here. Um, after, you know, we took, what, 20 minutes to take shots at the media guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes they deserve it. So, uh, anyways, you have any uh, final thoughts to wrap this up, Ty? Um, you know, just going back to the signings today, um, these are the kind of players that, that you want to see um, the Mariners sign this offseason. This is honestly, I could not be more ecstatic about this because this is exactly what I have been asking for. Um, 
And these are these are some of the moves that may end up helping you down the road. You know, maybe Corey Garing gets you that lottery ticket that, you know, buds into something pretty decent. You know, or, you know, Tim Beckham exceeds your expectations or returns to that second half of 2017. You know, and now you have a really good player there. Yeah, you know, there, there are many possibilities here. And, of course, both of them could completely bomb. But in that case, you're not hurt at all. And uh, that's that's exactly what uh, I was hoping to see from the Mariners uh, this offseason. And that's what they did today. So, uh, again, I'm really excited. Oh, and I wanted to quickly talk about this poll that we had uh, last night um, that I posted. Let me go down here. Hold on. I asked you, wow, oh my God. I asked you guys to uh, vote for um, who makes the playoffs first. Either the NHL Seattle team, which will be starting play in October 2021, or the Mariners, who, you know, by their standards, hope to be in the playoffs by October 2021. And it is a 50-50 split right down the middle. (laughs) It was it was funny enough. It was sixty seven thirty three Mariners when I last looked. So a lot of ground has been made up with five hours left on the poll. If you haven't voted on the poll, please go to our Twitter and vote. Um, but a lot of people do not believe in the Mariners contending by twenty twenty one. So yeah, uh, you know I I I'm not in that boat. I voted on my personal account for the Mariners. Um, It's just, you know, obviously it can go wrong. And history says that it should go wrong. But they're making all the right moves right now. Yeah, I believe. And I feel confident in this thing actually working out. And as I said last year, or last year, last podcast. Oh my god, uh, which maybe was last year technically, <laughs> or no, it was yeah. Nah, anyway, it's still 2019. Nice try. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as I said last podcast, um, you might as well have some sort of confidence in it because this is going to happen one way or another. You know, you might as well hope for the best and not, you know be pessimistic <laughs> right you know because that and and that's you know hard to ask of mariner fans but sure yeah it's uh i don't know i i i see a lot of potential in this to be to be really fun and um i hope it is so i'll leave with that yeah, um, if the Mariners aren't in the playoffs by 2021 it's not going to be because uh their process was wrong um you know, the players they chose to bet on might not be the right players, but their process is sound. And again, I just I feel like I'm constantly sticking up for a group I don't want to stick up for. But, uh, you know, you have to give credit to the Mariners ownership group right now. And you have to give credit to Jerry DePoto because for the first time in 20 some odd years, they are legitimately trying to build something great. Um, and they're willing to lose games to do it that that hasn't been the case and i know people like to talk about oh what about those years they lost you know 
a hundred games or whatever. It's like, you mean the years they signed Sean Figgins and traded for Cliff Lee? Yeah, they were totally trying to rebuild then. You know, it just it doesn't it doesn't happen like that, guys. And the fact that Jerry Depoto has convinced this ownership group that they needed to rebuild like this, and the fact that this ownership group was even open to that suggestion, that is the biggest win of this offseason because it means yep. that the Mariners are willing to do what is hard to get the big reward where in the past, the past ownership group was, yeah, I mean, maybe, but we can't afford to lose money for one year or we can't afford to lose fans for a year. Um, so no, figure out a way to make it work. Um, this ownership group isn't that way. And that's good because you know what? You've, if you let your fans run the team, you're going to end up being one. So Kudos to Jerry Depoto. Kudos to Mariners ownership group for taking these steps, uh, strictly baseball speaking, for taking these steps to improve their ball club and really be willing to lose a few of you to gain a lot of you. Because one thing I know for sure is if this Mariners rebuild works, the Mariners are going to be a really hot ticket in town. And a lot of you who are jumping off the ship are going to crawl back on and you're going to bring five or six or 10 friends with you. So um, I'm excited for the future for the first time in a long time. Um, you know, we're about a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. We're about, uh, well, we're about 10 weeks away from the Mariners playing games that actually matter. I mean, we're in the home stretch here, guys. It's really fun. It's really interesting. And I hope you guys are enjoying this off season. Um, and I hope you guys appreciate what the Mariners are doing. Um, you know, be as skeptical as you want. I completely understand that. But at the same time, yeah. understand that the Mariners are actually doing something that they've never done. And yeah. uh, and that's exactly. honestly, it's a commitment to winning is what they're doing. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so I think that's probably going to wrap it up for us here. Uh, make sure you guys join the website uh, or make sure you guys uh, visit the website for really good Mariners content. SotoMojo.com. You can find us on Twitter at SotoMojoFS. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you know, uh, guys, if you really want to reach out and talk to us, Twitter is probably the best way to do that. That's where we're most active. Uh, we also have a uh, we also have a Discord if you're interested in joining. I'll leave a link down in the description below. Um, you know, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I hope you're having as much fun with this offseason as we are. Uh, go Mariners, and I will see you in another life. Peace. Peace.